aggravated his uh, his injury uh, when he got ta- got tackled on one of the plays, and so uh, you know, I just thought it, uh, it was best for him and uh, that we got him out of there. He was uh, he didn't want to come out; he wanted to stand there and fight. But uh, you know, I didn't I didn't want to get him injured anymore. Obviously, what keeps me up is just the knee injury. Um, you know, I think it was extremely frustrating to come out and you know play the way I did and play the way we did. You know, week one against the Saints, and then you know for my knee to kind of respond and act the way it did the rest of the year. You know, that was frustrating just because you know we did have a great team, and you know I was really looking forward um, you know to kind of what we were going to be able to do that year. our five-part series covering the Vikings Miracle 2017 season where we look back at the biggest plays, biggest stories, and how they impacted the future of the Minnesota Vikings. Matthew Collar with you. And for this episode, the season begins with a bang against the New Orleans Saints at U.S. Bank Stadium. And joining me to talk about the first five weeks of the 2017 season from the Associated Press, Dave Campbell. Dave, how are you? Doing fine. Happy to be here. All right. Yeah. Now, we remember this quite well. The opener of the season is where I want to start with this. And we'll finish this episode with the game against Chicago, which is uh, unforgettable for numerous reasons. But the 2017 opener on September 11th against the New Orleans Saints is one of the most memorable games, I think, of the entire Mike Zimmer era, not only for how it played out and how big the win was for the Vikings at that point, but also for what we came to look at as a as a what if what if Sam Bradford doesn't get hurt in this game so I want to begin with just Bradford's performance and there are other things to look at from this game but it goes down as one of the best performances in Minnesota Vikings quarterback history he goes 27 for 32 346 yards three touchdowns no picks and is just dealing. Adam Thielen goes off in this game, 157 yards. Diggs ends up with 93 yards and two touchdowns. And I remember this specifically for a couple of throws that he made. One was to Jarius Wright into a tight window. It's like a 20-yard pass. And, and I think up in the press box, we all went, oh, my gosh, this could be one of the best offenses in the NFL this year, which had already by the beginning of the season exceeded what we had thought going through training camp. Like, OK, it looks good. And you could talk yourself into Bradford and Shermer. But still, we had the memories of the 2016 offense that had sputtered in, in so many ways. And this one gave hope to this team having one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of remember um, thinking to myself, not smart enough or confident enough to actually put it in some sort of publication, but thinking at that training camp that, you know, I think this offense could be much better than, um, than people expect. And maybe sort of as a antidote to that more sugar coating type of feeling thinking, well, then maybe the defense is not quite as good. Now the defense pretty much played up to expectations. So I was half right, but uh, definitely, um, the performance in that game, as you said, I think opened a lot of eyes or, or 
maybe relieve a lot of tension around the team, um, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, that game, that game had so much. You, you meant, I'm glad you read the stats because I wouldn't have been able to call, pull them out of my uh, shut down adult brain right now. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember anything beyond yesterday, but uh, it, it, you really have to, you need to, to read those out loud to, to do him justice. Right. Um, he, he was amazing. Like it's, it, everything was on target. Um, I, I think the biggest thing about that game first that, that most people took away was, Hey, that they've got some kind of a line that can actually um, protect the quarterback this time. You know, a lot, there was some scheme changes, um, you know, a little different lineup than, than in the way they ended it in 2016. But you, you know, we all kind of remember just how futile uh, pass protection was, uh, particularly in the second half of, of that 2016 season, and obviously led to all their um, struggles offensively. But um, yeah, that game that game was. I think you're you're right. Everyone, of course, thinks about the playoff game uh, when they beat the Saints with the Minneapolis miracle, and I guess other playoff games would, would come to mind. And probably with recency bias, you'd think about highly anticipated uh you know contests in the last two seasons regarding the vikings and the zimmer era but but this game i think probably because they ended up playing the saints later in that same season uh, it really does get kind of over overlooked a lot um but i mean don't forget too you had adrian peterson coming back um yes to, to minnesota and and you know they completely shut him down and he's on the sideline like fuming about not getting more carries um it had so many subplots and it was, but you know, it kind of boils, boils right back to the way you set up this, this game to, to Bradford's performance and, you know, showing what a real effective quarterback he could be, you know, with time to throw. He, you know, a little bit like, like cousins, um, if everything is working around him, you know, take your chances with him as well as anybody, but probably even less mobile, um, you know, than, than cousins, you know, is, is right now. So obviously we saw, um, as that the rest of that month unfolded and then Bradford's uh, health became part of the equation again. Well, and the fascinating thing, Dave, is that the final impression essentially of Sam Bradford, and we'll get to the game in Chicago, but I don't think anyone has that in their mind of the last time Bradford was a Viking. It was more of this game where you remember him, just being so on target and so dialed in. It, it was like he knew what the Saints defense was going to do before they did it because he was throwing to the right receivers every time and, and guys were open all over the field, but then he was making all sorts of throws. And so the overall look at Sam Bradford from a lot of people on the outside is, oh, he made a lot of money because they didn't have the draft slotting at that time and you just signed for whatever you were worth. And he was kind of a bust in St. Louis and, and then he goes to Philadelphia and they draft somebody else. He holds uh, like a holdout kind of thing. And it, it was a bad look for him. And, and then has to come in. I think it was maybe 10 days before the season starts to the Vikings to take over for Sam Bradford does not get the Vikings to the playoffs. So at that point you're saying, is, is there any reason to think Sam Bradford could be a quarterback who they signed to a long-term extension, which was a big conversation because he was going into the final year of his contract. So they're saying this is a, a prove it year for Sam Bradford. He had a good season in 2016, but it wasn't enough to say, yeah, this is your franchise quarterback that you want to roll with from here on out. And you mentioned the key in part 
is getting him better pass protection. And since the offensive line is deteriorated, but at that point you felt really good about uh, the two tackles that they had signed in the offseason, and Bradford uh, looked so strong that you thought, I think this guy is going to be their long-term quarterback. And what we did not know as we were watching that game is that he had some sort of non-contact tweak with his knee that nobody picked up on. I, I couldn't find it going back through the game tape or anything else. But when we arrived at practice after that uh, and he wasn't there, that I, I think we all had yeah. that feeling of, uh-oh, something could be really wrong here with Sam Bradford. Right. And I mean, with Bradford, it, it's always gone back to the health. It's never, it's never been, um, you know, maybe some of the other questions about Keenum or, or cousins that, you know, are different, different quote unquote knocks maybe against their sort of overall skill set or, or resume. But it seems like with Bradford, he, he never had the chance of playing any big games because he was on bad teams. Right. So that, that wasn't even really, <laughs> Um, it was not applicable on, on his resume, but you're right. I mean, his, you know, all the knee injury stuff he dealt with, uh, in St. Louis, um, you know, all the way back to when he was the first overall pick in the draft really was really kind of the the beginning and the end of the conversation about why he wasn't, you know, an elite quarterback and why he was just a, a starter in, you know, in the league. But, um, you're right. I think everyone knowing his injury history, you know, what, what that first absence um, cer- certainly uh, kind of, you know, raised sort of an ominous kind of vibe around the team, despite, you know, such a such sharp performance in that opener. Yeah. Do you think, Dave, that uh, if Sam Bradford remains their starting quarterback and stays healthy, that they end up in the Super Bowl? Boy, I, I kind of tend to think not because if you you just want to remember how uh, badly the defense did get carved up by the Eagles in the championship game. I, I mean, it's a fair question. And, you know, it's like <clears throat> these football games, you, you play so few of them compared to hockey, basketball, football. Like, you know, it's basically you're getting one out of 10 or 20 expected outcomes <laughs> in a roll of the dice. And, you know, maybe Keenum or Bradford, maybe the Vikings would have won six or seven of the other 10 expected outcomes, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess my first answer would be, would, would be no, they might end up with the same fate, but also sort of considering how, how well Keenum did end up playing that season, it, it you wouldn't, I wouldn't really say that they, they lacked at that position or that was like the one thing that held them back. Now, certainly um, he made some decisions in, in a couple of key games, including the NFC championship game that had led to their demise, but um you know, I, I I was thinking again about how they got him, Bradford, and it, it it actually really is remarkable they're able to get someone of his caliber right after Teddy's injury to flip or dwell too too much back to twenty sixteen. But you know, that that was a I know they had to give up a first round draft pick, but that was that's pretty impressive on emergency basis to be able to, to, be able to find a guy of his caliber um 
to, to fill in. And I think um, a lot of people thought at that time, Dave, oh my gosh, they overpaid, they panicked, they right. should have just signed somebody and stuck with Sean Hill as long as his arm would last. And I don't think people realized how well Sam Bradford had actually played the second half of the season in Philadelphia and had Chip Kelly not gotten fired, they might have stuck with Sam Bradford a lot longer because he was looking like the quarterback that everybody thought he could be. And of course, they deserve some criticism for giving up as high of a draft pick as they did. But if you look at even the player that the Eagles draft, good, good player, good defensive end. But it's not like this Vikings team needed another defensive player to add to the mix. They ended up with the number one defense by 2017. The one area where I would say it's very possible that they could have ended up in the Super Bowl is if you win one more game. If you end up with home field advantage throughout the playoffs, if you go 14 and two instead of 13 and three, then you're talking about having home field advantage. And it's just a different story. Asking Nick Foles to come to your place as opposed to going to his, uh, that environment in Philadelphia was complete insanity. And so I I think it would have been different had they come to Minnesota. And maybe the cookie does not crumble in in the same exact way. Um, Even as we saw Philadelphia, not as good of a team, but last year make some really questionable decisions and we've seen that from other teams including the new orleans saints in the the miracle game which of course is part of this podcast series later on but i I mean coaches tend to make big mistakes quarterbacks do because of the pressure of that stadium and i wonder if that could have put them in but there were also a few games where case ran around and made crazy plays that you wouldn't have expected and maybe bradford is more conservative and, and the last taste in our mouth is so good with 27 for 32 for 346 yards that uh, we forget that he was at times in 2016, very conservative at the end of games, a lot of checkdowns, some of the same issues and criticisms we have of Kirk cousins. It's easy to forget about them because of the great game he played really was this. Wow. What a victory. Something else happens in this game. Delvin cook immediately emerges as a fantastic NFL player. I mean, 22 for 127. He caught three passes in this game as well. Uh, I, I know from training camp uh, that Delvin Cook emerged very quickly as a, as a great-looking player, but then to come out and show immediately that they were going to have this very special weapon uh, was really some kind of performance by him too. I totally agree. And, and in fact, I, I guess... Personally, I found that actually less surprising than the way they passed, than the way Bradford passed the ball and, and was protected. I, I I really expected him to be that kind of immediate impact um, player. Just watching him in training camp, listening to people talk about him, even just realizing um, kind of college career he had at Florida State, and you know, you know, it's safe to say that because of the undervalued position he plays and some of those character concerns that he had fair or not that's that's why they were able to get him in the second round but he was easily a, a first round talent yes um, definitely but you and you also knew that the type of offense that, that Shermer was was running um you know you, it was pretty easy to see how a player with his skill set could could thrive um screen passes and and obviously running to to set up the, the play action game and stuff like that um yeah so we have two of the three regular season losses in this portion of the season i guess you wonder which you got the not to spoil the uh the lions loss but uh that one and the steelers loss do you think uh 
Bradford instead of Keenum. I mean, either one, right? Pull out one of those. Yeah, I was was going to move to to Pittsburgh. It's not like their defense played bad against Pittsburgh. Trey Wayne's had a couple of pass interferences, but they allowed 26 points. But Keenum was not ready for that one. He was not ready, right? Yeah, not at all. And so the Pittsburgh defense dominated. I remember Nick Easton had a really tough time with Cameron Hayward, and they just couldn't do anything really on offense to move the ball. But with Sam Bradford, he gets rid of the ball so quickly. I think you've got a much, much better chance of winning that one. Uh, and, and definitely October 1st against the Detroit Lions. So let's talk quickly yeah. about the Steelers game because it is about as, as forgettable of a game as you'll ever have in the NFL. But here's what I remember about it, Dave, was one, Ryan Quigley decided to throw a pass, um, and that was a, a regrettable decision. But the other part of it was after that game, we were talking about Colin Kaepernick. Like Case Keenum looked so bad that after that game, I never would have dreamed that we would be talking about a 13-3 season inside of our building. Uh, I remember having a conversation with our program director about travel for the rest of the season. Like, do we even want to travel to games <laughs> if they're going to be this bad with Case Keenum as their quarterback? I mean, th- that would be a lot of old takes exposed. But I, I remember thinking... Mike Zimmer might be the one guy, even though he has been very much pro stand for the anthem, but he might be the one guy who says, I'm not getting fired because of a bad backup quarterback. Let's just bring in Kaepernick anyway. And that was a big discussion after that game. Yeah. Yeah, it it was. It's sort of basically the, the, the balloon, I guess, that was blown up after the after the Saints performance. Um as far as, you know, kind of how the offense is going to look was very quickly popped yes. <laughs> in that game. You're sort of like, okay, well, s- then then all of a sudden the, the vibe, you know, it's a classic NFL, right? We, we view everything through the lens of the most recent game and everything's the greatest or the worst or whatever. But, it, you know, all of a sudden the vibe was back to, well, 2016, they're going to have a good defense and struggle to score and it'll be competitive. But, um, you know, don't count on anything great from the season. Um, it, it was remarkable how much, I mean, just, just zooming in on Keenum, how, how much different week two to week three was. Now, I guess you give him the credit of a full week of, of, you know, the playbook or, and knowing he was going to be the starter and home versus road and, uh, a little bit softer opponent in Tampa Bay than Pittsburgh, but. Yeah, that, that's another sort of moment in that in that season. You know, sort of like the the Saints opener being a little bit overlooked, but that that Tampa Bay game. Um, not to skip away from the Pittsburgh discussion, but it, they're all sort of tied together. And that 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 Week Three performance was almost you know as astonishing in, in its own way than uh, the New Orleans performance uh, with Bradford at the helm. Well, I think what was made clear in week three, because I, yeah, I want to move off of the Pittsburgh win quickly, or I'm sorry, loss quickly, just because there's nothing else to talk about with it. CJ Ham scored a touchdown. Like, uh, good, good for him. Uh, you know, but, but I mean, there really wasn't a lot of discussion points aside from, are they going to stick with Case Keenum? And and we're asking every day to Zimmer, when is Bradford coming back? He was spotted in Florida going to a specialist of some kind. Zimmer brings up not having a crystal ball in terms of, and that became a running joke throughout the season of not knowing when Sam Bradford was going to be back. And then Case Keenum comes out and puts on an even better statistical performance than Sam Bradford throwing for 369 yards, three touchdowns. And this, Dave, is where... 
I felt this di- this Diggs and Thielen com- uh, combination is something different. It's something truly special because we saw it to some extent in 2016, and Thielen emerged as a good receiver in 2016. But those two just took off, starting really with week one, but then in this game went bananas. Stephon Diggs ends up with 173 yards, two touchdowns. Thielen gets five catches, but for 98 yards, including a 45-yard catch. And then Delvin Cook added five receptions for 72 out of the backfield. You remember that game, they were throwing screens all over the place to him. And, and that was where, like you said, about the swing from the lowest to the highest. But this was our first hint that the supporting cast was so darn good for Case Keenum that he would have a chance to win games as the starting quarterback. But I still didn't think, okay, he's going to go 13-3. and three. Uh, This wasn't even Case Keenum's best career game in terms of quarterback rating or the only time he had ever been good. He had done it before, um, but we saw you could just throw it up to Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen and they'll make a play and run for a touchdown. I mean, it was it, it, and yeah. case Keenum's best asset was that he knew that. Yes. And yeah, I, I remember that, that, that game for whatever reason is, is one of the first sort of places my mind goes in just thinking about that whole season. Um, just how, I don't want to say unstoppable, but it's it's Case Keenum, and you're you're expecting you know sort of a he's a fill in basically, and um, but he was he was lights out. Um, they had a great scheme, but I just remember so much um, catch and run. You know, a lot of the yardage was like you said, the Diggs and Thielen doing the rest, but but he was making all the right reads. I, I remember the play action game being you know really effective in that game, obviously with. Dalvin in the backfield that made a big impact on opening that up. But uh, yeah, I just remember at some point, even in the third or fourth quarter, that game just like Keenum dropping back and someone's wide open underneath. And there he goes. Like just thinking, wow, this guy's tearing it up. He's going to end up with 350 yards. And sure enough, 369. Um, Again, you know, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's defense wasn't necessarily the greatest litmus test but um that, that was another game to your point too about yeah they, they actually do have um at these skill positions a really nice stack of uh guys who, who you can go to and you know dig stealing and definitely not to be overlooked Jarius right um yeah number yep. three receiver who they have, ne- have yet to replace right i mean it, yep. his absence uh in the last couple of years have been Certainly uh, noticeable, um, but Rudolph's still an effective tight end at that point. And um, you have Latavius Murray as a number two, you know, back to behind Cook. So that was definitely um, a well put together offense. Yeah, and the uh, curve of Latavius Murray starting off extremely slow and then becoming a huge, huge part of their offense is something that uh, we'll get into down the road in our podcast series here for sure. So they win that game, and for a week, everyone celebrates uh, Case Keenum for an incredible performance, and okay, great. But as a skeptical reporter, and I'm sure you felt this way too, 
it was the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. And if you remember, everybody on the Bucks defense got hurt or pretended to be hurt in that game at some point. And, they, and I think they lost like their two starting corners and their best linebacker early in that game. And so it was reasonable to say, all right, well, let's see against a better Detroit team, against maybe an emerging Chicago team, or, or at least has a defense that you need to take seriously. Like, I'm not convinced because of one random pop-up performance by Case Keenum, which again he had had before in Houston and they loved him for that and then he fell apart they loved him in uh, Los Angeles for one or two games and then he fell apart there and they handed the the starting job to Jared Goff so this was kind of Case Keenum's history of showing you just enough to be excited about and then quickly uh, squashing that himself with poor play and that's exactly what happened they played Detroit at home and just could not get anything going on offense throughout this game. They made mistakes. They fumbled the ball three different times, including, uh, of course, Delvin Cooks, where he gets hurt, which we'll get into. But at this point, Dave, I was thinking, oh, hello, welcome, Case Keenum. You're back uh, after a week away as you know, Joe Montana. Now Case Keenum has returned to us. And this is what I thought the season was going to be like at this point was Games that the defense plays extremely well and you lose 14 to seven because your quarterback is just inadequate. And I was thinking they better get Sam Bradford back soon or this season is going to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so many uh, ups and downs um, in these first four weeks, right? It's, it's incredible. Um, even, even from NFL standards um, that this, well, that just as a isolation on, on this, game it you could pull this out and find um six to eight others in the zimmer era right where the defense is just like got to be thinking what more do we have to do yeah to get it you know there's there's certainly have been times when the offense has been lights out but there it's inconsistency in the zimmer era has led to to games just like this and the fumbles played a big part in this um because they were all like if i at least a couple of them if i remember were deep in Detroit territory. And um, you talk about your earlier question about could they have gone to the Super Bowl with Bradford, you know, with another, with an extra win in the regular season to get the one seed. And well, this is a game they could have had Spurgeon win at quarterback. One, <laughs> just so they don't fumble the ball. And obviously then the terrible bad luck of, of Dalvin's deep buckling. Yeah. Um, I don't know if McLeod Bethel Thompson wins this one, but maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, you know, that, that that Detroit defense was, was you know, sneaky good. Um, but, again, I think, you know, it was a combination of, uh, you know, still uh, Case and, and the offense just trying to mess with each other. To, you know, that there was down in Pittsburgh, then an up against Tampa Bay, down mm-hmm. against Detroit. But it's still sort of the early stages of, okay, this is the guy we're rolling with. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, also, uh, you know, really the Lions um, they had a good pass rush. They, they were actually they, a good they, team at this point. They, they, right. They were, they were a good team. Um, and, and one of those teams that should have, you know, maybe deserved better than their – I think that was like a 9-7 and seven wild yep. card team, if I yep. remember correctly. But, um, yeah, that was another – that was another yeah, game where you, could, you sort of uh, come away with it thinking – um, well, this is kind of going to be, you know, who they're going to be, and <laughs> at least until Bradford comes back. Um, another random piece of that game, if you remember, who scored the the go ahead were winning touchdown for the Lions. 
Would that have been Amir Abdul, a current Minnesota Viking? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there are two players who dominated this game who you know that the Vikings signed because they dominated this game. Another guy is Anthony Zettel, who they just signed in free agency. He had two sacks and four quarterback hits and uh, forced a fumble in this game. He was a monster and hasn't done a darn thing since. But at least for that day, he was unbelievable against the Vikings. And it's classic NFL team. Oh, yeah, three years ago, this guy really beat us up good. So let's sign him in free agency. Uh, There's also a moment here, Dave, before we get into Delvin's uh, injury, that we would have questioned Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer becomes one of the most popular play callers in Viking history. And the only time I've ever covered a football team where there weren't people on social media or sports radio or whatever, criticizing the offensive coordinator for his play calling, but a Jarek McKinnon uh, wildcat run that turns into a fumble was a a hugely criticized decision by Pat Shermer and felt like they were still trying to work in uh, Tony Sperano's offense a little bit enough because they had done it in 2016 and it really didn't work all that well then either. Right. That's that's a good point. Uh, I forgot about that play, but now I'm now I'm wincing uh, watching it unfold (laughs) in my mind's eye. Yeah, that, um, that was not a good decision. And at that point, we didn't know even what Jarek McKinnon's career would be uh, as a Viking because he was so far down the depth chart, even behind Latavius Murray. Now, Delvin Cook, the, the worst part of his injury is that it was on a just an incredible run. I mean, he, yes. he blows through the line of scrimmage. He jukes someone. And, and you're saying this guy's going to carry the ball 300 times and he's going to dominate. And it even felt like this is your chance to go win the game because at that point it was tied. And so you've got a chance, or I'm sorry, it wasn't tied. It was uh, seven six Vikings. Seven so six. I, yeah. What, yeah, what a barn burner it was. It, <laughs> in hockey, this would have been great if it was Wild and Red Wings. This would have been a marvelous game. But it's seven to six Vikings at that point, and so he goes blowing through the line, and and at that point, okay, you've got a good shot here to wind the clock down, go kick another field goal, force them to go the length of the field. And the Vikings had sacked Matt Stafford six times total in that game. So he was not having a whole lot of success himself on the other side. He finishes with only 209 yards. But the minute Delvin went down, I think we all knew that looks like an ACL. Because when a guy initially looks like he's in a ton of pain and then gets off and walks off okay uh, with a knee injury – and the buckle, a lot of times that's an ACL. So he goes down, and it wasn't just Delvin Cook getting hurt that cost them the field position and so forth, but it took the wind completely out of that building, and everyone felt that injury. It, it seemed, and I'd have to go back and look even closer at this in that following possession, but I felt at that moment Detroit's going to score a touchdown here because look at everyone's face with Delvin Cook walking off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. It, I, that was another uh, just instant pop of the balloon as far as the environment went. And yeah, I, I, that's another play I can remember pretty vividly. It was he was well into the secondary, right? And it, it, I mean, probably was going to score a touchdown, but it was it was a you know he had a clear pass and it just like you said burst through the, the front seven and tries to put a move on, but. It, also crazy, just he he was never touched. Yeah, you know, um, yep. Just just tried to stick his foot in the ground, and then it all of a sudden just collapsed on him. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was the second year of the stadium, so I, I don't know if it was if you ever could have attributed any of that to just like the new turf being broken in. Probably not at that point, but um, 
yeah, that, that, you, when you see a young player start to uh, perform at such a high level and and get hurt so quickly, no matter you know, it, there's always something in sports that feels so deflating about that. Mm-hmm. That's sort of this you raise sort of the raise expectations, and you see so much potential with someone new. You never know what their ceiling is going to be. Um, obviously, he's come back since then, but for that particular season, just to isolate 2017. That was yeah. That was pretty um, pretty deflating. Anyone who's following the team or had even you know got to know Dalvin, he's a he's a pretty pretty good guy. Most people would uh, attest. Well, and the way that he had emerged during training camp and blown everybody else out of the water, and then the early performances by him, his burst was unlike many people that we've ever seen in the backfield, and that's with a team that had Adrian Peterson too. And, and, you know, you're seeing somebody truly special at the position going, wow, this is the guy they got to replace Adrian Peterson, someone who's almost as explosive and this big playability. And now we're not going to see him for a really long time. And that leads me to Mike Zimmer announcing that he tore his ACL and, of all the things Zimmer has been through, of course, the most crushed was Teddy Bridgewater. There's no doubt about it in terms of looking at his face and uh, going through the Norv Turner thing. He was pretty upset about that. Same with Tony's Barano, but right up there in terms of the most emotional we've seen Mike Zimmer was announcing that Delvin Cook had torn his ACL. And we asked Zimmer, so how do you replace him? And the answer was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, and that's with two yeah. proven and good running backs behind him. Uh, that I think Zimmer early on really felt a closeness with Delvin Cook. Like, I have something special here. And when he went down, there was this kick in the gut. And it was another one of those feelings of, I don't know how this team gets to the playoffs without Delvin. I don't know how they could possibly be a Super Bowl contender at this point. Your starting quarterback is out. Your starting uh, running back is out. And then we get the news, Dave, that Sam Bradford is ready to return. He's coming back. He's going to play against the Chicago Bears. The knee is fine. It was just uh, just a tweak. You media guys made too much out of it. That's the problem. <laughs> and so and so we go on to Chicago. And I just I want you to tell me from your memory what you were feeling watching Sam Bradford in the first quarter of this game. Well, it was, uh, it was ugly. Yeah. I mean, it was every, every step that he took it, it, he obviously looked like he was not right. So, you know, it's sort of like, um, bless you for trying, but, uh, this just isn't working, right? Mm-hmm. That was kind of the kind of the, the immediate takeaway. It's really, you know, it's it maybe in the moment um, didn't occur to me and others, but now we're taking a step back with a, a longer lens. Like, how much did their decision to clear him for that game have to do with having just lost Cook, yes. feeling a little bit more rushed and desperate? Like, we got to get this offense going or keep it keep it up and so um that uh yeah for for all of the injured stars that we've covered in the zimmer era um you know you think about feeling in his hamstring last season or um you know any any number of guys that you you sort of are expecting to come back or, or thinking well maybe this will be the week uh, i mean maybe it's next week mm-hmm. um um, this that's the one where the only one that 
jumps out as far as um, maybe not the only one, but the one that jumps out, like he came back too fast. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. It was, uh-huh. it was, and it was obvious from the, from the start, it, other positions, certainly you could hide that better um, at, with, you know, on the line or, you know, um, even a tight end or something. But um, yeah, that, that was, it was rough. And, and remember that, they had they led three to two at halftime. <laughs> yes, that, that's, I mean, just no matter what, who's playing, like any any halftime score in football, three to two just makes you makes you laugh, right? A, a score right I mean, out of the fifties puts a smile yeah. on your face. Yeah, yeah. just so this three is, to two. This is how it went with Sam Bradford in the game: punt, punt, safety, punt, punt. Vikings get a turnover on a fumble by Chicago, and they kick a field goal after gaining five yards on four plays. And, and then, I mean, at this point, Sam Bradford looks so feeble and so hurt that he's dropping back, and I'm not sure he's even going to be able to stand up. There's a couple of times where Bears players come through the line, and you're just saying, just just get down, man. I mean, he takes four sacks and loses 35 yards on only 15 dropbacks. So once every third dropback, he was getting sacked in this game, including the safety. And uh, there is no question in my mind now, uh, and there wasn't then, that they were negligent in leaving him in the game past about the second drive. The first drive, you're like, eh, he looks a little shaky, but maybe he'll come yeah. back. But once he took the safety, it was over for me. He should have been out of the game. And they ran out the trainer the next week, Eric Sugarman, to explain to us how we were all wrong. But I'm sorry, I'll never believe that uh, after watching that first half. And I'd love to go back and... Uh, go through the film and say, show me exactly where you thought he was fine uh, because he did not look at at all. So in the second half, they come out with Case Keenum. And this, this is the turning point. It, you know, NFL has that show, NFL Turning Point. I mean, this is where we, we need the big voice guy. We need the NFL music to set this up. And then Keenum took the field with a second <laughs> half to remember. And he leads back-to-back touchdown drives out of the half. Chicago starts getting something out of Mitch Trubisky. And, of course, uh, as always, Jordan Howard is just uh, is uh, destroying the Vikings in this game as well because that's what he always did. But all of a sudden, Mitch Trubisky starts running a little bit. He looks like a real quarterback. And Keenum is throwing all these short and quick passes and, and screens. And then eventually they get that play where you're convinced that, you know what, they might be able to make up for Delvin Cook being out uh, because they hand off to Jarek McKinnon. He explodes for a touchdown. Their offensive line looks great on the play. And that, to me, I had a, a feeling at that point, okay, they might actually be able to win some games with Case Keenum. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it, you know, a little bit like the Tampa Bay game in that sort of you start with – very, very low expectations, uh, especially in, in this case, coming in halfway when the offense looked so bad in the first half. And then, you know, ending up with sort of this polar opposite of sort of a feeling about where they're at and what they're capable of. I mean, I, just just the fact that they put up 20, 2017 was that game, right? Yeah. 20 points at Chicago. I mean, this pre predating and people that come after this this team like vikings never do anything on offense at chicago <laughs> right right i mean it doesn't matter who's the coach and who's the quarterback any anyone who's followed the team for a couple of decades or more can just think about sort of that that sight of 
the, the chewed up grass at Soldier Field and the Bears uniforms and thinking, oh, they're, they're going to punt on this drive. Oh, they're, oh, they're right. going to sack. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. The, the, the faces change, but the results often stay the same. So just to, just to, the fact that he was able to do that on the road in the second half um, uh, against against a very very good defense, um, that in and of itself um, was uh, yeah a, a pretty pretty good um, I think sort of indicator or uh, another spark I guess in this first quarter of a season that had crazy amount of ups downs and in between. So that that way that they put together that those drives. Uh, you know, mixing in McKinnon and, uh, you know, play action game and stuff certainly gave you uh, more reason to to stop and uh, think, okay, well then maybe maybe this team can still do something yet. And it's I, still kind of this overall vibe of the 2017 season, though, right, where the way they finished 16, yeah, I know they signed a couple of tackles and got some nice pieces, but we're still not thinking this is a Super Bowl team or this is like they're in the – really in the the nfl's elite at this point right it's right. it's sort of um well the the zimmer's smart on defense they got good players a lot of positions they're going to be in the mix and they're, they're they'll, they'll compete and they'll you know could definitely be a you know wild card type team but uh this um you know of course it's still the packers division at this point right and so you're still yep. thinking oh you know maybe they maybe they got something but it's no one's really there's not really any building vibe for this, for really kind of this magical kind of flourish that they ended up on. Spoiler alert! And yeah, I was gonna say in your, your future episodes, right? Certainly, our next episode will cover what happens with the Green Bay Packers and why they did not win the division. Um, but you know, I, I also wanted to mention, side note, in this game, I forgot that the punter threw a touchdown for Chicago. Yes, uh, Pat O'Donnell threw a 38-yard touchdown to Benny Cunningham. Like that's right. Uh, in terms of wild things that happen, and this yeah. one ends on Harrison Smith with an interception of Mitch Trubisky on one of those plays that is just so Harrison Smith, where he sort of dekes out the quarterback to make him think he's doing one coverage and it's a different coverage and he jumps the ball and then they are set up for Kai Forbath, who would have other heroic moments throughout this season, especially in the Miracle Game, um, but for Kai Forbath to, to finish this game. And that was another thing about the Zimmer defense is even as well as Case Keenum played in the second half and they had these long drives, their longest completion in this entire game is 19 yards to Michael Floyd, uh, the only <laughs> memorable reception by Michael Floyd in the entire season. Uh, but... Harrison Smith picking that pass off. He was very good in 2016, but he also tried to play through some injuries and a healthy Harrison Smith was starting to look very dangerous. And through four games, that is where you, you could have sensed, okay, you've only allowed 20 plus points once. And that was to Pittsburgh. And the rest of these games, your defense has been really special and held opponents under 20 points. Uh, this is going to be a thing that happens week in and week out with Harrison Smith. And it certainly turned out to be it. And that's where by that point, they're probably already the number one defense in points and yards against, and they were just going to stay there. And, and that it, it gave you the, idea that they could be even better on defense than they were in 2016 where they were good but still had some holes yeah yeah no doubt and i think you the end of that you mentioned trubisky has sort of found a little bit of a groove in that game but uh you know that i remember that interception thinking okay you know they, they when you're comparing bears offense to vikings defense you still kind of know <laughs> who's going to have the have the edge here and i think i think smith's pick 
really was sort of like um, maybe a symbol of that of that moment. Not to mention turning point in that in that particular game. Um, but yeah, we always uh, think about the offense, good or bad, in in so many seasons of really any teams, right? Because that's just where you I think where most people's mind goes first. Um, that's how they score the points. But um, and it, with so many Pro Bowl players on that defense and guys who had stuck together for so long, even after that season, I guess it's maybe unfair to say that they're overlooked or underrated. But um, yeah, that, that you, you, I guess you can't emphasize enough how how well that group played together, how many uh, standout players they had at, e- mm-hmm. at each level. Um, really, you know, starting with starting in for sure with Harrison Smith. I, I don't think you could argue against very hard that he's not, wasn't the most indispensable player on that, on that team. And a, a big reason why they, they were so, uh, so good on, on third downs, which really, I think the one stat that fueled that team as much as, yep. as much as any, um, it certainly is. I mean, his presence and his ability to do so many different things played a huge part in that. Uh, opponents went 51 for 202 on third downs that season in 2017. So that was easily number one in the league. Uh, well, our next episode, we'll get into the Packers game where everything really changes in terms of the division. Also the Vikings give Laquan Treadwell a shot in a game and he does not come (laughs) through for them. Uh, they go to London And then we've also got Teddy Bridgewater active for the first time and their biggest win. So lots to come on our next episode here as we look back through the 2017 season 